0: Today, I am joined by special guest, Travis Talbot. Travis is a hospitality renegade, a goodwill rock star, and he has over 500 plus concepts and projects to his name. He is definitely a proven innovator with global expertise. He's uh, on today straight from Nicaragua. So we're going to be talking to him about everything that he's doing He's just living the life, living the dream. Travis, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Curtis, thank you for having me on. I appreciate you forwarding me the time.
0: Well, why don't you start off by telling everybody a little bit about yourself?
1: What, well, geez, where do I start? So like you were saying, I'm a bit of a, a maverick, a bit of a, a loose cannon, as my mom would say. But I, my whole life is really centered only around a few things. One of it's been hospitality, starting in the industry at the age of nine working for my mom in her restaurant. I think nowadays they call it child labor. Back then they called it experience and spent a whole lifetime just kind of developing my skills in the hospitality space. I've worked in every sector of the industry. I think I've worked in every position you can think of, obviously washing dishes to the, you know, working in the kitchen, front of the house, and then progressing into management to operations. And then kind of spreading my wings and uh, floating around between different sectors from cruise ships to hotels to catering to you know mom-pa operations and restaurant industry to eventually you know working in corporate world for a fair bit, working in the casino world and then eventually going out on my own and opening up a small little consulting agency with the niche in resorts and and kind of entertainment and kind of lifestyle spaces. And that's kind of what's brought me to where I am now. So, lots of stories and lots of different layers to that trajectory. But since two thousand and eighteen, when I decided to uh, my brother and I decided to do this hospitality consulting and coaching agency, is I've been full time nomad. So since two thousand and eighteen, I've been traveling the globe, kind of just soaking in life, soaking in different cultures. Obviously, getting exposure to a whole crazy spectrum of different types of F and B operations and hotels and resorts and hostels. You name it. So in the last couple of years, just to name a few, I lived in Bermuda for a while. I was in the Dominican Republic, spent some time in Jamaica. I spent a year traveling in Mexico looking for the the world's best taco. And I'm currently in Nicaragua and just helping a friend here with a small F and B project. And once again, just immersing myself into the local culture. So there's there's kind of everything in a nutshell from where I started to, I think the only thing I missed in there is I took two years off from my hospitality career. And one one part of our family or one side of our family are farmers, ranchers, and cowboys. So I spent a couple of years there where I decided I was going to be a bull rider and a rodeo clown. That didn't pan out so well for me. So I, I came back to hospitality, but it's pretty much been hospitality all the way through. And one of the things that I say or that I define as hospitality is goodwill and giving and and making a difference. So to me, that's part of it as well. So that brings you to where I am now, sitting in Nicaragua and chatting with you.
0: Absolutely. And you have over 500 concepts and projects to your name. Tell us about maybe your most well-known projects or, or at least your favorite concepts or projects that you created and worked on.
1: I've been very fortunate. So I've worked with some of the best in the industry. And when I say best, I mean from the owner operator side to, with, you know, guys that had when I was 26, I was overseeing 27 venues that included everything from Irish pubs to, you know, casual um, premium casual restaurants to, you know, some of the best nightclubs on the West Coast of Canada. And then I also had the opportunity to through all those various projects work with organizations that's like house of blues before it came live nation working with live nation and one of my favorite projects there was bringing back to life a venue it's called the commodore in vancouver that was famous during the 30s to the 50s and 60s went quiet for quite a while and we were part of a resuscitation project and it was a historical building it was a landmark venue It had such rich history to it, and I was able to be a participant in bringing that back to life. And it's still running these days. And you know, we used to there used to be a claim to fame there that if you named a band anywhere from the '60s up into the 2000s, that was a big deal. Now that or became a big deal, they got their start at the Commodore, and so that was a great experience and one of the ones I was proud of. But I'd have to say, once again, I've had some amazing opportunities, worked with some amazing people on collaborations. And so you throw a dart at a city anywhere in North America from Boston to Vancouver. I've got a project probably that I've been a participant in that has done extremely well or is still up and running or was the winner of a bunch of accolades. And, you know, and I also went solo for a while. So I owned a few nightclubs. I owned a champagne and wine bar in Vancouver a, what we called a Las Vegas rock and roll nightclub in Calgary. Uh, Once again, to some really great successes, some really great reviews, lots of media attention and so forth, but just successful, successful venues. And then I'd say recently, or one, most recently there was two projects in Boston that I really I'm proud to have been associated with. One was the Bostonia public house um, who are still around and they're still winning awards and, worked for a guy there that was really intent on just retaining some of the heritage of old Boston. So it was a really, it was a passion project. And then another project we did in Boston was called Coppersmith. And it was beast of a project where it was, you know, 25 to 30,000 square feet. We had two food trucks inside the restaurant in addition to our regular kitchen, our prep kitchen, our catering uh, kitchen. It had a fleet of food trucks associated with it. And it also was actually what made me most proud to be involved in that project was it was intended to be a community hub. So we had probably 15 to 20 different initiatives that were all community driven, meaning that we worked with various charities on a full time basis. We worked hard on fighting food insecurity. We worked hard with kind of under underserved communities. So it was, it was a really good community project and it was also a, a huge success. They're tearing it down now to do a massive development, but man, oh man, I was glad to be a part of that. And for the fact that it was incredibly unique, it was truly a neighborhood venue. And then it just did so much for the the surrounding community. And, and that was the model. The model was to, to give, right?
0: Well, I know something that you left out. You, you were a former Miami Herald and Boston Globe journalist so tell us about that oh, and how no, you got no, started no, in that
1: no sorry I think that that's that got conveyed incorrectly so in my bio when I was living in Boston and I was doing a number of projects there I was there during the Boston Marathon bombing and then as a result of that bombing when the city was all trying to get together and to heal um, we got together with some celebrity chefs And I was able to be a participant on a team that we did an event called Boston Bites Back, working for Ken Oranger and for Ming Tsai. And we ended up bringing 100 of the top restaurants and and top chefs in the city together. And we threw dinner for, I believe it was 5,000 people at Fenway. So through that initiative, the Boston Globe did an article on The event, I did a bit of a feature on me, and one of the writers from the Globe ended up doing a few articles about me. And he was a a journalist for the Boston Globe and the Miami Herald. So sometimes that gets misinterpreted. I I wasn't a journalist. If you if you read my writing, you you would definitely know that.
0: (laughs) Okay, well I guess in your bio, you're doing things so good. I I guess it made you made people think you were a journalist.
1: Well, you know what, and that's that's funny you say that though, Curtis, because. Part of one of my, you know, aspirations and why I'm on this this traveling journey is is a I, I do want to learn. I want to see different uh, parts of the world, especially with COVID, you know, really changing our mindsets and showing us what it's like when we get you know isolated. But uh, one of my goals and my career trajectory is to to be able to do that Anthony Bourdain initiative and is get out and be a food and lifestyle and culture writer. So I am working on that as one of my career goals, but I haven't accomplished, haven't accomplished it yet other than some contributing articles to Thrillist and some other public, smaller publications. So, but I'm going to get there. Curtis, when I get there, I'll, uh, I'll share it with you.
0: Absolutely. Well, well, one thing you have got to is you've worked a lot alongside some celebrity chefs. So tell us some of the people that you've worked with, some of the best people that you work with and, and what it was like to be able to have the privilege to do that.
1: and and you're right you know that's a good way of framing it as a privilege so i consider you know there's there's all kinds of tiers of celebrities i know that i think in hollywood they got the a through the d list or whatever but i've worked with some chefs that you've never heard of that are true celebrities in their communities true celebrities with among their colleagues in you know the small landscape that they're you know they're working in so i've worked with everything but in terms of profile on tv brand name chefs that people would recognize or house household names is uh, got to do a little bit of stuff with gordon ramsey and whistler just prior to the olympics because I, I was living in vancouver and overseeing a number of restaurants during the uh, and venues during the olympics he was a character definitely not like you see on tv he was he was a gentleman i was a part of the jamie oliver food revolution so had some exposure and some interactions with him and his organization. And then in, you know, when you talk about the guys that are on the food network, that kind of stuff is I did have the opportunity to work for Ming Tsai in terms of, we I was part of a team that helped uh, design and build one of his restaurants in Boston. And then I was fortunate to be asked to be a participant in that Boston bites back initiative, which also included Ken Oranger and, Ken Oranger and both Ken Oranger and, and Ming Tsai are legends and on the East Coast and both Iron Chefs and both unbelievably hilarious characters. And then I had the uh, opportunity where I'm friends with Tanya Nayak, who is one of the premier designers on Restaurant Impossible and Home and Garden TV and I was able to join her team and participate in a number of episodes for Restaurant Impossible for Robert Irvine or with Robert Irvine. So there's another, you know, he's world famous and got to do, I think I got a total of eight projects under my belt working with Restaurant Impossible, Uh, but they were all, all good people. What I, what I thought was great about all of them and, you know, obviously all very distinctive personalities and different characters and so forth and contributing different things to the industry Uh, But just the fact that all those people that I had the opportunity to to cross paths was were willing to train and to mentor and to share insights and to pass on knowledge. And so I didn't expect that. I honestly didn't expect that in working with celebrity chefs, regardless of their level of celebrity, whether it's local or whether it's TV famous or whether it's recognized globally for their for their, um, you know, for their skill sets. Is I, I I'm always amazed to see how many of these celebrity chefs are just so willing to give. So those are a few of my experiences.
0: Okay, well, you got a lot, lot, lot more Goodwill stuff. You're well rock star, and I know you talked about stuff in Boston, but you've you've done a lot more. So you kind of want to go into maybe some other stuff that you've done regarding Goodwill.
1: Yeah, well, like I mentioned earlier, is we we were always brought up by our mom that we were and you don't hear this term much anymore the hospitality industry or the food and beverage you know industry used to be coined the service industry and people used to think that service meant the mechanics of service so table service or how you're delivering a meal or the mechanics of a guest experience where we were brought up my brother and I were my mom's kind of had a play on words there. And she says, no, you're not in the service industry. You're in the up-service industry. So her position and her teachings to us were that you're here to give something. And it's not just a matter of what you put in front of a person to eat or you know to drink. It was about what are you giving to change this person's life? How is your hospitality making their life a little better, whether it's only for 45 minutes to 90 minutes kind of thing? It was all about giving and it was about being in service and and catering and tailoring that service to each individual, to each table. And so that's what we were always kind of brought up to believe. And then as a part of that, and as a part of what we were taught was a successful business model in terms of hospitality and food and beverage was what are you giving to your community? How are you being of service to the people that are supportive of your of your business? And so as a part of that, it was obviously making yourself available. It was always having an open door, even though that's cliche, but making sure that you were inclusive to everyone in the community and that you were taking your your successes and the investment that people were making into you and turning into a circle of reciprocity where it's a win, 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 for, you know win for the business, win for the customers that come in, and a win for the community. So we were always taught that whenever you have time, whenever you have resources and whenever you have wins, you immediately need to take those and to reinvest them into community. And that could be anything from hosting a fundraiser for the local softball team. It could be anything to coming out to the local ballpark or the local pit soccer pitch and you're doing hot dogs and tacos for free for, you know, for the kid for the event. And then I kind of took that when I was in charge of restaurants, when I was in charge of businesses when I had influence over outcomes, and I could, you know, be creative is I made that a core pillar of almost every operation I've ever been a participant in is, hey, we'll definitely improve the business, we'll definitely make this so it's a successful, sustainable venture about part of what's going to make that happen is one of the pillars of that stool has to be community. So I've worked it into every business plan, every marketing plan, every culture initiative when it comes to, you know, employee culture for everywhere I've ever gone. And, I, uh, you know, I can't tell you how many different events we've done, how many different collaborations we've done before that was even a word or a term over the years throughout all the different F&B venues and hospitality venues I've worked in. And so that's always been just part of the DNA part of the marketing musts and part of the business standards. But uh, I did take it to the extreme at one stage. And so after, after I sold one of my nightclubs, or I should be a little bit more honest, one of, the, one of the nightclub projects that I was involved in, you know, when it tanked after everything went sideways is I decided that I was going to make good on that whole do good, feel good and give back kind of model. And I decided to uh, give everything in the world I own to charities, and I mean everything. At the end of the day, I had nothing left in my house the day before I went on the road, so to speak. I had nothing left in my house. My last sleep was with my head on a backpack, staring at an empty house, and all I had was my computer, my backpack, and an honest intention. My my, my mom used to call it my Michael Landon Stairway to Heaven kind of initiative, if anybody if remembers that that show. But uh, yeah, so I ended up going on the road and, and my goal was, and I was just learning social media at the time. My goal was to just use social media, just to make myself available to whoever was out there, whoever I could reach, whoever was in need. And I would come and offer whatever skill sets I could contribute and help with whoever I could. And so originally, I was going to go to like the Habitat for Humanity kind of undertaking where you know you go and build houses or you join a an organization that's well established and they send you off and you have, you know, certain tasks that they've already have, you know, scheduled for you. That never actually came to fruition. So when I had my going away party just after the Olympics and I'd announced to all of my colleagues, I'd announced to the industry, so to speak, in, in Vancouver where, you know, I was I was able to uh, have a pretty good foothold and a pretty good reputation in the city. I'm in a little bit of profile is when I announced this to everybody, nobody took me seriously, and everybody kind of laughed and said, yeah, you know, we we think you do some good things from time to time, and we get that that's your your jam, and that's something that you want to make a part of everything you do, but do you know what you're signing on for, and how are you going to live that humble of a lifestyle after you've been living like a rock star and behind the velvet ropes your whole career, and so it was a bit of a, it was a bit of a throwdown, and I was a bit hurt, and it was a time of self-reflection. I had to take a little inventory and I had to challenge myself and say, OK, I'm just going to do it. So I literally had a friend drive me to the Greyhound station, jumped on my computer and I just sat there on social media for, I don't know, must have been a half a day just, you know, making posts. And finally, somebody reached out and said, hey, we could use your services or we could use your contributions or even it was labor. So. That turned into what I thought was going to be six months working for a couple of well-known and well-established charities uh, to almost five years of my life living out of a backpack and just wandering to wherever the call came from to give, you know, to contribute. And so I did everything from work on horse rescue farms, no-kill shelters. I worked with at-risk youth in different communities. I... I worked with senior shut ins. I worked with uh, different social services arms in different communities. And I, I zigzagged across North America for four years and eight months. And I think that everything was said and done. We, through all the different initiatives and all the different events and collaborations, is I think we raised close to $10 million for various organizations. Uh, you know, and sometimes there was. We only raised a couple of thousands. Sometimes we raised tens of thousands. There was no real rhyme or reason or model to it. But it was definitely a lifetime of experiences, a lifetime of feel-good moments. And that's, once again, just kind of reinforced for me that I'm on a mission where hospitality and goodwill... I think are synonymous. They're they're in the same breath. I don't think that they're two different entities. So I'm kind of on this mission as I go through, you know, creating new or working with new clients and being a part of new projects. And as we continue to build our coaching and consulting business, at the end of the day, that's all has goodwill inherent in it. And it's so it's the mission, it's the purpose, it's the lifestyle.
0: Well, tell us about any current or upcoming projects that you're working on. I know you're working on some books, but tell us about some other stuff that you're working on that people need to know about.
1: Ah, uh, Well, in terms of food and beverage, we're doing some pretty, pretty cool things, some pretty groundbreaking and world-class stuff. We're able to be a participant in a project in Big Sky, Montana, that's just going to be world-class in terms of, It's sophistication, it's architecture, it's sustainability and and an overall guest experience. So that to me is one of the ones I'm most excited about. But there's a number of projects we're working on right now with clients that would fit into that food and beverage. But right now, a big part of what I'm enjoying doing is even like, for instance, in Nicaragua, I'm I'm hoping to uh, help a friend of mine who's from Canada help him with a little bit of consulting, a little bit of coaching with a few of his F and B projects, but he's doing some amazing things for the community. He's building houses. He's going in and, um, you know, fixing up houses that are, that are, you know, in real need of attention for families that just don't have the resources. And he's also working with at-risk youth and working with gangs and he's got a surf school to kind of keep them engaged he supports he's got um an mma gym that he's got and it's pretty much i don't even know how he's surviving but it's a model where if you come and join the gym he he doesn't charge you as long as part of your involvement in that gym is that you're doing something for the community so he's you know he's getting a lot of individuals that need an outlet like that otherwise they'd be going down the wrong path so I'm both hoping to contribute to that conversation and to that undertaking and, and of course I'm, I'm learning I'm learning a new angle from him on you know another, another angle on community how, how to give back to community and how to structure it because unfortunately from from my travels anyways or my limited experiences most people equate goodwill or they equate giving or charitable work with either work or an investment of their, own, of their own resources in terms of money where I've been learning for, I don't know, ever since I went on that uh, that road trip, which was called Goodwill Travels at the time. And then I switched over to be we called it Project Goodwill. But I've learned through all of those experiences and then meeting up with like-minded people in my travels and seeing different communities of all sizes, scope, scale, access to resources, no access to resources, Giving is such a different, it's a different different mindset than what most people think it is. It's not just stroking a jack. It's about being engaged. It's about being accessible and approachable. It's about being creative, which I also love that side of it. I've seen so many different ways to get creative with how people give back. Like, for instance, Johnny in a a surf school. Like, who would have ever, I would have known, that's just getting disadvantaged kids access to a surfboard and surfboard and spending time out on the water can be can be life-changing, right? So, uh, yeah, so those, those were a few initiatives. And then another one that uh, we're working hard on, my brother and I and our team from our, our consulting team, is we're about to launch a, I don't know, we go talk about um, chefs that we're so willing to give. And I'm like, you know what, I, I think that I've over 500 plus projects, all the travels I've done, a few successes I've been fortunate to have. I think that maybe I'm at a stage now in my life where I might have some insight or for lack of a better word, some wisdom or let's call it knowledge where I should be able to give back in that regard or it should be mandatory for me to share those insights and save some people some of the, you know, the hard knock lessons that I had along the way. So we're about to launch a coach, an online coaching platform that is for aspiring F&B and hospitality entrepreneurs. So a lot of these People with great ideas, amazing energy, all the aspiration in the world. Sometimes they don't get off the ground or they don't get past the first phase of their, uh, their project because they just don't know what they don't know. They don't have anyone to go to that can mentor them or that's willing to share advice for free. And they don't know there's no portal for them because nowadays everything is you know, from YouTube. No, there is some good content on YouTube. There are some great materials and some great websites and some great people out there that are sharing content. So I don't want to make a blanket statement, but for the most part, because I research this stuff every day and I was looking for all this kind of stuff as I was coming up the you know, coming up in the world, is it's really hard to find someone to bounce an idea off, to give you informed and intelligent feedback. So we're gonna be and then also something that's affordable. So a lot of these resources that are out there, sometimes you get the freemium product. And then they funnel you and you get through that rabbit hole where it's like, oh, buy course A. Oh, now you bought course A. You can't finish it unless you buy book B. And that book B is no good of you unless you take our webinar C. And it just becomes this rabbit hole of add-on, add-on, add-on and cost, cost, cost. And so not only is it frustrating, some people don't have the resources or you've tapped them of the resources that were invaluable to them. So we're going to launch a platform for coaching, for aspiring entrepreneurs, and it's just going to be however you want to digest it, however you're able to afford it. So, you know, we'll do one-to-one consultations to find out what the goals are and what people need in terms of support or what they need in terms of mentoring or advice. And then we'll put together a program that's bite-sized so they can buy it by the minute. They can buy it by the emails. They can buy it by... A visit or you know a peer review to depending on what stage they are at and whatever scope and scale of their project is, so that to me is we're we're super excited about that. I'm looking forward to getting on calls and having some email exchanges and essentially some conversations where we can help someone avoid failure um, or help them actually the better way to put that is help them thrive and you know survive and thrive in a very competitive landscape and in a landscape where there's not a lot of people out there that can that are helping all right so we're hoping to launch that next month and then we've already had a couple of people sign on that we've offered our services to you know a couple in michigan that are opening up a cafe that you know it was was astounding they're both successful business people but it was astounding how much they didn't know about restaurants, even though they're both financially successful and successful in their own realms. So we're working with them on their project. And then we've got a couple of food truck operators that are just literally in their teens and early 20s. So we're helping them put together their business plans. And we have another um, another couple of guys that we're speaking to that have some bigger ideas that we're having to do some homework and we're having to expand our knowledge where they're looking at doing some online you know, food delivery products, or they're looking to do put their products online, so that that's it's like a you know a shopping a retail online store, but food and beverage based. So, not only is it already becoming fruitful for us in terms of being able to give back and contribute, but it's also we're learning in the process. And you know, we're sometimes we're learning as much as we're giving. So, but that's that's definitely the, the one project right now that I'm excited about because being online, it's a global reach we are globally accessible and i'm excited to see all these new ideas that are out there in the industry and being able to to coach someone to success right and, and share their knowledge so yeah hopefully that's ready next month
0: right well so people can keep up with everything you're up to uh, contact you if they need to use your service so at your website social media links how can people get in touch with you and your company
1: a number of ways and, and we have a few little agencies So we have probably the ones that are best for, you know, so I'm on LinkedIn, which I'm usually on every day because that's pretty good for networking for us. And that's also a great platform where we learn from and we source information. And I'm on LinkedIn under Travis Talbot. I'm on most social media links, pretty much every platform, although I'm not as active on TikTok as I should be, but I'm studying it. I'm learning it. But I'm under most social media platforms at T-Bone Talbot, which is my nickname since I was a kid. And then our website right now that we're doing most of our current work under with hospitality organizations, F&B organizations, where we have a bit of a focus on resort development and so forth, is called hospitalityarts.group. And then if anybody just wants to email me direct, if they feel that's the most comfortable way to go, it's travis at hospitalityarts.group.
0: Hospitalityarts.group. Group. Yeah. Close us out with some final thoughts, maybe something that I failed to talk about that you would like to touch on because you got such an extensive bio or just any final thoughts you got for the listeners.
1: Well, I think I would well, we've talked about basically two categories, so hospitality and goodwill. So I would say if I was to give anyone any advice or a parting kind of food for thought on hospitality, it would be please put together a plan. It's a it was sad to see during COVID. How many really good operators? How many really sincere people that had great offerings and thriving businesses didn't survive that storm because they just didn't have a plan to refer to or a plan to be able to to be revisited and to be tweaked and to say, "Oh, okay, you know, we, here's what our marketing initiatives were before, our strategies were. How do we re- You know, how do we rewrite these pages so that we're?" able to be agile in this during these times so that would be my number one thing for anyone in the hospitality industry is please have a plan and if you don't have a plan reach out i always i always say to all of my clients and to anyone i work with or anyone in my travels listen in my laptop i've got 35 you know 35 plus years of experience stored like i'm a hoarder i'm a hoarder when it comes into information so you got a coffee shop i got a business plan you got I don't know. You've got a high end seafood and steakhouse. I've got a business plan. You need marketing strategies. I've got 50 of them in my computer. And I always say whatever's mine is yours because I didn't create it. I just got exposed to it. I acquired it or I helped be a collaborator in drafting it. So I don't really like to think that I own it. It's just it's materials. It's kind of like my brother likes to say is there's no such thing as someone owning an umbrella. Every time you walk into a restaurant, you either leave one behind and forget about it or you acquire one but then you always need to leave that behind somewhere. So I like to look at my cachet of resources as being that kind of umbrella. So if you need something like that, reach out, happy to share. There's no cost to me to share. And on the goodwill side, I would like to hope that now in the days we're in and all the political dynamics that are happening and, you know, post COVID era and, just the the chaos that we're exposed to every day and how much of a struggle life is for majority of people, that there is what I call ROI and ROE. So return on investment and investment can mean so many different things and return on effort in being kind and in contributing. So once again, I don't like to use the word giving because sometimes that always gets reduced to handing out cash or or at least people think so and that's their first response but I think that there's so much good in giving and I mean that in terms of how it enriches you as an individual you know you could talk about karma but just the residuals that come back to you in doing things for others and like I said that's it's part of my brother and I's DNA it's part of our business model and everything that we believe in and but we've also seen the positive outcomes that come out of it. So, I would say that if people are feeling down, if people are are struggling, it's it's ironic to say, but sometimes the best the best way to come out of that tailspin is to be giving and to contribute to contribute something wherever you can and however small it is.
0: Absolutely, well said, ladies and gentlemen. Check out everything that T Bone is up to, and you can check out his websites and all of his information. And if you got people out there wanting to start a restaurant, I know I have a lot of vending friends and I'm even going to be getting into the vending world. So please follow, rate, review, share this episode to as many people as possible. Keep on topic.
1: When you are established with your vending world, which is Coming back in a big way, let me know because it is one of the things that we recommend to so many of our hotel clients, our resort clients, and especially with the labor shortage out there or the perceived labor shortage, is and the new model. This is the new model of the new era that's being created out there. Is we recommend vending to all sorts of our clients. So I would love to learn more about your business.
0: Absolutely. And 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 once it gets kicked off, I will keep your information and definitely get in touch with you because you're a guru. And thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Curtis, I appreciate your time and, and the opportunity
0: to speak. Thank you. For more information on the Living the Dream podcast, visit www.djcurveball.com. Until next time, stay focused on living the dream.